guy has his stuff piled everywhere. Sorry about that. Uh, good morning. So my name is Jay Cruza. I am the young adults pastor at CTK Bellingham. Um, my wife and I, Haley, she's in the back. Haley, raise your hand. That's Haley. She's back there. Um, we moved to Bellingham about two and a half years ago, I believe, and we came because we felt like the Lord told us that he was bringing revival to Whatcom County. So we came. We um, came immediately. We came hopefully. Um, and I think that that's a good way to kind of explain who we are and our passions. Like, um, we want to be people who don't just see a move of God, but who are like part of a move of God. Like, we don't want to be people who have seen the Holy Spirit do things. Like, we want to be people who know the person of the Holy Spirit. Um, so we are really hopeful of like what the Lord is going to do here. We want to play our part in our role, and we are just super excited to be here with you guys this morning. So, um, in terms of my job as a young adults pastor, um, I have a hope that um, there's a hole up here. So if I get close to this hole, you guys just give me a shout. Um, I forgot about it till just now. Um, uh, if you didn't know, sorry. If uh, you were hiding that, sorry I outed you guys. Um, uh, anyhow, my desire with young adults is uh, that CTK as a whole, that we would disciple young adults very well, like into the church, like the capital C church, the body of Christ, that like young adults would um, find their place, that they would serve with people who are older than them, people who are younger than them, and that they would be the church today and not just like sideline till they get an opportunity to serve in the future. So that is my heart. Um, after service, if you have a heart and a desire for young adults, I would love to hear that. Um, I don't know that I have anything for you, but I would love to just hear your passion and hear testimony of how the Lord has moved in your life and your passions. Sound good? Awesome. So, it is my understanding, again, that you guys have been going through the sermon series called Set Apart. Um, you're looking at holiness, being God's holy people. And Tyler came, and when he asked me about this, I was like, whoa, holiness is, it's a big, big topic. Um, and I think it's an important topic, but it's huge. And so uh, I've taken, I don't know, a couple months now to, to kind of prepare for this. And I am so excited to share what I feel like the Lord has for you today. And uh, one of the things that Tyler said is that he wanted to save the best for last. So I'm closing the series out. So that is, that is, that is why I'm here. No, I'm joking. If you don't know me, that was a joke. Okay. I'm going to take a few minutes, we're going to pray, and then we are going to jump right in. Mm. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and rest here this morning. Yeah, I ask for your peace to be here. Mm. Yeah, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would give me the right words, that you help me move with your presence and at the pace of your presence. Lord, I ask that you'd help me articulate this image that you have for us this morning and that you would anoint hearts this morning with your Holy Spirit. So we turn our affection towards you. We turn our eyes towards you, our expectation towards you. And we say yes to what you want to do in this space this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
<clears throat> cool. Does anybody remember felt boards? Yes. How about felt boards in Sunday school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So when I was little, there was a felt board in our Sunday school class for a short period of time. And I remember this one um, lesson that was given on the felt board uh, when I was a kid. I'm pretty sure it was given on the felt board. Can I have that first image up here? Um, and it looked something like this. Okay. Has anybody seen something like this before? Yep. So on the left there, we would start by putting things on the felt board. Here's humanity. Here's sin. We're all broken. And then we'd go over here on the right. We'd make heaven and eternal life. And then, of course, you know, death is precariously there right in the center. And then we had to figure out, we talked about this chasm in the center here and how, you know, we're all these broken people. And how are we ever going to get to heaven? That was, the, that was the lesson. Then at the end, the cross was laid down, boom, as a bridge from one side to the other. And it was like, oh, that's it. The cross gets us across. Um, and that was a very common way of looking um, at the cross, at, at the reason that Jesus died for us um, growing up. And um, as I've been preparing for this message, I was chatting with a mentor friend of mine. His name's Brian Steele. He is a pastor at CTK Bellingham, and he gave me this second image. Can I have the other one? Um, and he challenged kind of some of my thoughts as I was discussing holiness. And I feel like this better represents the idea of the cross, okay? Now, I'm not saying it's perfect and theologically sound in every single way. That's not what I'm saying this morning. But I feel like it gets to the heart better. And so we still have humanity on the left, heaven here on the right. Um, Brian didn't put hell in the middle there. I don't know why he didn't do that, but no, I'm joking. So, but then the cross here is different. This time, the cross is like a means of restoring all of creation. It's not just like this escape. So it's not like we're all here waiting, we're broken, and we're disempowered people. But this time, like, the cross is a means of restoration to all creation. There's Jesus. He's crowned. He's holding crowns. He's coming from heaven to earth. And he's restoring people to their right place as a royal or a holy priesthood. People who will co-labor with him, co-rule with him. Um, and I show you these two images this morning, okay? Because I feel like sometimes we view holiness in a similar way as this, okay? Um, sometimes we think of holiness as like do's and don'ts or like manifestations of like our moral goodness that qualify us to be worthy of God's love. <laughs> um, we say like, do these things, don't do these things, and then you'll be holy enough that God will love you, and then you'll make it to heaven, and he'll give you good gifts and bless your family and prosperity and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think that's the whole picture of holiness. Um, like, I don't believe Jesus suffered the cross so that we could be really good at following a bunch of do's and don'ts. Like, I believe that following Jesus involves doing some things and not doing others, but holiness is like so much more. Um, Jesus died so that we could be holy, not just holy so that we could go to heaven, but holy in the sense of being restored. Holy so that we could become a resting place for God's presence on earth. Does that make sense? <clears throat> so what I want to do this morning is I want to walk you through two biblical images of holiness in the Bible. Um, one is in the Old Testament and one is in the New and I want to take a note here, or make a note here. Um, I'm not saying that one of these biblical images is, like, bad and one is good. It's just 
let's see what the Old Testament looks like. Let's see how Jesus um, looks in the same image in the New Testament and get a biblical image of the whole to understand. Does that make sense? Okay, so one's not bad, one's not good. They're simply, simply different because they're under different covenants. So, first things first, we're going to start in Exodus chapter 30. And in Exodus 30, there is this passage um, that describes holy anointing oil and its purpose. And so, in this passage, the Lord gives Moses these specifications of this recipe to make this holy oil. And the recipe consists of liquid myrrh, sweet-smelling cinnamon, sweet-smelling cane, cassia, and olive oil. And these ingredients would be uh, mixed according to the art of a perfumer. And then this holy oil would be used to anoint people and things. Okay? So starting in uh, Exodus 30, verse 25, it says this. And you shall make these things a holy... Oh, you shall make from these things a holy anointing oil, an ointment compounded according to the art of a perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. With it you shall anoint the tabernacle of meeting, the ark of the testimony, the table and all its utensils, the lampstand and all its utensils, and the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, and the laver, which is a wash basin, and its base. You shall consecrate them that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them must be holy. Okay, so those are all, that's the tabernacle and everything in it. Next, he says, And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons, they are the priests, and consecrate them, that they may minister to me as priests. And you shall speak to the children of Israel, saying, This shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on man's flesh. Take note of that. It shall not be poured on man's flesh, nor shall you make any other like it according to its composition. It is holy it shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it, or whoever puts any of it on an outsider, shall be cut off from his people. It's intense stuff, huh? <laughs> so, the tabernacle and everything involved in the process of like sacrifice and ministry unto the Lord, along with Aaron and the priests, were anointed with this holy anointing oil, not so that they could enter into heaven, okay? but so that heaven or God's presence would actually have a dwelling place among his people. It brings to light that thing that Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, on earth as it is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven, okay? So the holy anointing oil is this image in the Old Testament of the Holy Spirit coming and resting upon someone or something. So when something or someone is anointed with this oil, it became holy, and its holiness designated it as a resting place for God's presence. Does that make sense? Am I being clear? Okay. If I'm not clear, tell me. I will explain more. <laughs> um, so in the Old Testament image, the tabernacle would sit at the center of the Israelite camp. Okay? If you know this, this is just review. And there would be three Israelite camps on like either side of the tabernacle. So tabernacle would sit here in the center. There'd be three, 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 twelve total camps surrounding the tabernacle. Okay? And at the center of it all, inside the tabernacle, God's presence would rest in a place called the Holy of Holies. <laughs> so beautiful. And in their daily lives, as the people lived around his presence, okay, they would move in and out of cleanness and uncleanness. 
they'd be clean, unclean, clean, unclean, back and forth, okay? And um, they could encounter things that would make them unclean. And when I say clean and unclean, I am talking about two terms here that kind of go with holy and unholy or pure and impure, okay? So they could um, encounter things that would make them unclean, such as like pork, certain kinds of fish, certain kinds of birds, um, molds, like if people got a mold in their house, it could make them unclean. Um, women would be unclean after childbirth. Bodily discharges were considered unclean. And then there was also this thing called leprosy. It's a skin infection that would make a person unclean or unholy. Okay? And leprosy is interesting because a person with leprosy couldn't even be present inside the camp. So remember, God's dwelling at the center. The people live around him. He lives among his people. His presence is there. And if you have leprosy, you couldn't even be inside the camp. You had to be outside. Your unholiness forced you to be outside. Okay? Listen to what Leviticus 13, 45 and 46 say about lepers. Listen to the number of times you hear the word unclean in these two verses. Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn, his head bare, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean unclean. He shall be unclean. All the days he has a sore, he shall be unclean. He is unclean. And he shall dwell alone. His dwelling place shall be outside the camp. So the reason that lepers had to remain outside the camp is because in their unclean state, any person or thing that they touched also became unclean. Their impurity, if I would touch things, their impurity would transfer, and those things became unclean. And they would have to go through a specific process to become clean again, or holy again. So imagine the Israelite camp with me for a second before we move on to my next image here. If you need to close your eyes to imagine, you can. But there are these two ends of the spectrum. On one end, we have this holy oil. Um, and the tabernacle and like all its furnishings and the priests, they were all anointed with this oil. And the things and the people that, that were touched by this oil became holy. So the oil transferred its holiness to them. They became holy. And they were designated as a resting place for God. On the other end of this spectrum, there is this disease, this skin infection called leprosy. And the people that had it couldn't stay in the camp. They had to live outside. And it was unclean and unholy to the point that whoever they touched, their uncleanness or their unholiness transferred to them. Do we see the image? Okay. So in the New Testament, we have a similar image happening. But this time, there is this man. His name is Jesus. <laughs> um, and he completely flips this image, and it becomes very different. Okay? So... In the New Testament image here, we're going to start in Matthew 8. And just to give you a little backstory, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is where Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount. He's on a mountain preaching a sermon, Sermon on the Mount. And it's the greatest sermon ever given. And he comes down the mountain starting in Matthew 8, verse 1. It says this, When Jesus had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him. And we already know that whoever and whatever the leper touches becomes unclean. 
right? They have been living this way for a long time. They are very aware of this. Um, however, when Jesus touches the leper, Jesus doesn't become unclean. His holiness, his cleanness, transfers to the leper and cleanses him. It says in verse 3 again, Then Jesus put, his hand and touched, put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. See, what is interesting about Jesus is that like the tabernacle and like the priests, he also was anointed. He's called the Messiah or the Christ, which is the anointed one. But he was never anointed with holy anointing oil. So he's called Jesus the anointed one, but he's not anointed with holy anointing oil. His anointing was different. So let's take a look at Jesus' anointing. In Luke 3, are we okay? Am I making sense? Are we with me? Okay. In Luke 3, we are introduced to John the Baptist, okay? John went around preaching a baptism of repentance, and he would take people, dunk them in the water, baptize them, okay? So one day, Jesus shows up, and he himself is baptized by John. And here's what Luke 3.21 says about that. It says, When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, heaven was opened. Heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended heaven to earth, okay, in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. So here the Holy Spirit is in this image of a dove. It is coming from heaven to earth. And when the Holy Spirit rests on Jesus, it anoints him. So he's not anointed with holy anointing oil. He's anointed with Holy Spirit. And he became a resting place on earth for God's presence. In the Gospel of John, John the Baptist himself testifies as a witness to Jesus' baptism by saying this, okay? He says, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and the Holy Spirit, he remained upon Jesus. He remained upon him. Remained. That's why I say, like, become a resting place, like God's presence Remained. It stayed there. <clears throat> the remainder of Luke 3 is the genealogy of Jesus. And then Luke 4 begins like this in verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, the river where he was baptized, okay, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So while Jesus is in the wilderness, he's there for 40 days, he's tempted by the devil, and then he comes out of the wilderness. And just a few verses later, this is what Luke says about it. This is verse 14. He says, Then Jesus returned, okay, from the wilderness, in the power of the Holy Spirit to Galilee. And the news of him went through all the surrounding region. I'm going to read that one more time. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out throughout, went out throughout all the surrounding region. It's important note here to make. Um, Jesus, again, wasn't baptized with the holy anointing oil. He was baptized with the Holy Spirit and power. I say power, okay, because 
Peter preaches to Cornelius in Acts 10, and he says this. And if you don't know about Peter preaching to Cornelius, that is your homework. Go home and read that. It's great. I don't have time to go into that, but I want you to hear what Peter's words are here in Acts 10. He says, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. In every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which he sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed through all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Here it is, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So again, Jesus isn't anointed with this holy oil. He's anointed with the Holy Spirit and power for this reason, so that once again, heaven could invade earth, and so that God's presence would have a resting place, this time, not just among his people, but upon them and within them. It's legit. Yeah. So, um, why do these images of holiness matter, and how do we apply this idea of holiness to our lives? Um, after Jesus' death and resurrection, he spent a period of 40 days on the earth, and he was appearing to people, his disciples, um, and others before ascending to heaven, okay? And during uh, one of those times when he appeared to his disciples in John 20... It says that Jesus breathed on them and told them to receive the Holy Spirit. Also within that 40-day window, Jesus commanded his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father was the Holy Spirit. And the same Holy Spirit and power that anointed Jesus and designated him as a resting place for God's presence on earth... Um, was also promised to the disciples, and it's also promised to you and to me. And so Jesus tells his disciples this in Acts 1.8. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So remember back to the Old Testament image, the holy anointing oil was not available to everybody. It couldn't board on man's flesh. And if anybody made an oil like it or put it on a foreigner, they would be cut off. Right? Remember that? In this New Testament image, we see the Holy Spirit has been, um, it's been a made, made available to everybody because of what Jesus did on the cross. He restored all of creation. And so um, Peter quotes the prophet uh, on the day of Pentecost, he quotes, he, he quotes Joel, the prophet, and he says this, And it shall come to pass in the last days, God says, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So the holy anointing oil couldn't be put on man's flesh. It couldn't be made common. It couldn't be for people because God's presence could only rest in a certain place. And now God's saying, like, I am going to pour out my spirit. He's going to anoint you the way that he anointed Jesus He's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And so again, how do we apply this idea of holiness in our lives today? And my answer to you is, let God anoint you with his spirit and with power. 
And you might be like, well, Jake, how do I do that? <laughs> and I would say that's a good question. <laughs> uh, I think that the answer is more about ruling than it is about rules. <clears throat> and what I mean by that is holiness is so much more than rules. It's about God ruling and reigning in your hearts. So you're like, how do I, how do I encounter Holy Spirit? How do I encounter power? How am I anointed? Uh, <laughs> throw the rule back out and let him rule and reign. <clears throat> Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection allows the fullness of heaven, or the Holy Spirit, to invade earth because he wants to anoint you. He wants to fill you. He wants to lead you. He wants to empower you. And he wants to make you holy because he wants to designate you as a resting place, individually and corporately. Like when you go to the store, you go to work, he wants you to be a resting place for his presence. When we come and gather as the body and we worship, he wants this place to be different. He wants to rest among you, within you, upon you. He wants to designate you as a place where it is said, on earth as it is in heaven. So, as we finish, the band can come up. Um, here's how I would like you guys to respond this morning. Um, if holiness has been about rules for you, what I'd like to do this morning is invite you to meet uh, a person called Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, he wants to rest on you. He wants to fill you. He wants to encounter you. Um, so as the band plays, um, I invite you to just like where you're at, pray um, and tell Holy Spirit you're done with empty rules and you want to invite him to rule and reign within you. And I'll kind of hang out over here. If you would like prayer, I would love to pray for you. Um, I don't have holy anointing oil, but I have Holy Spirit. So um, we'll just trust that the Lord meets you where you're at this morning. Um, and whatever that looks like for you, please, please use the space if that's a free thing to do. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I bless you this morning.